0: those that don't know, Fed Square is actually built over the train tracks, basically a floating slab. Uh, so as much as we would love to plant, you know, 100 trees out in the middle of the square, if we have planted too much out there, we'd likely collapse onto the train. we best not do that for now.
1: This is anything but square. Environmental sustainability is something close to the heart of Fed Square, so much so that a number of employees here have voluntarily joined forces to empower sustainability efforts in the square. And keep Melbourne green. My name is Xavier, and today I'm joined by Lauren, Kim, and Colin of the Sustainability Action Group for a roundtable discussion on what environmental responsibility means to Fed Square and how we achieve it. Please grab a cuppa and enjoy.
0: The Sustainability Action Group is a collection of Fed Square team members from different departments who meet to discuss the best ways to make the square a green space. We have a our tenancy team to brainstorm how we can best work to make our restaurants and cafes more sustainable. Our facilities team, who look after the literal nuts and bolts of the square, are on board to assist with the physical space. And then there's a few of us from the events and programming team to ensure that we can make events as environmentally sustainable as possible. Uh, the group was established when a few passionate Fed Square staff decided it was time to really make sustainability a priority. We're lucky enough to be the caretakers of such an important piece of Melbourne land. With such close proximity to the waterways and parks, we really needed to ensure it was looked after, not only for us, but our future generations as well.
2: It has been around pretty much from when FedSquare first started, but it's been on and off for for quite a number of years.
1: I suppose you were involved with the carbon neutrality of FedSquare. How did that come about, and what did that look like as it was growing?
2: Carbon neutrality came about primarily through. FedSquares want to be ahead of the game and, and be an innovator when it came to new products and uh, new ways of doing things. So we decided that carbon neutrality was was something that we could aim for, along with the existing practices that were a part of the original design, as well as uh, additional uh, works that were done to FedSquare, including uh, water storage tanks, uh, capture of recycling water, but primarily via the cogen unit so that's using a generator powered by gas to create electricity for over half of the square we cat we use the byproduct of the heat from that generator to uh, heat the water f- for our um, air conditioning systems and so we've brought in external uh, consultants to help us with the gauging of and, and the auditing of this carbon neutrality it was achieved back in 2016 at the moment, we're going through the process of getting it, uh, I suppose, ratified via the, um, uh, the, the government um, uh, regulator as such.
1: You're in a process of getting that ratified right now, is that right?
2: Correct. Even though we are carbon neutral and we've had external auditors who have confirmed this um, and it takes into account Fed Square's staff travel into work all the way up to uh, the amount of water we use and the electricity we use. We are looking at uh, getting this, I suppose the word for it is, is maybe ratified through a government uh, process so that um, we can become uh, officially uh, carbon neutral. Is there any
1: sort of benefit to being carbon neutral other than saving the planet?
2: There's there's no real benefits from being officially. We're already, as Kim's explained, we're already gone down a great way um, in dealing with uh, things like waste, water recycling. This just allows us, I suppose, to yell it from the rooftops become registered I suppose in regards to the carbon neutrality. As you can imagine a number of businesses would claim that they're carbon neutral but not necessarily um, has it been uh, audited or, or, or processed or proved.
1: There are a number of sustainable oriented events that Fed Square holds semi-regularly. Could you tell me about them and what makes them so special?
3: One of our regular festivals is actually a sustainability festival. Usually runs around February. So they set up a Variety of stalls on the River Terrace, uh, along with presentations, some topical talks, gardening. Um, it runs into Birung Ma, too, so it's pretty big. Uh, and then they'll have food vendors as well, but they use a wash service, so no single use products, as you can imagine, being sustainability festivals. So that's one of our popular ones. And actually, last year, Fed Square did a collaboration called Little Food Festival. So it's our a pilot, which we'd like to keep going in the future. So this was over the school holidays. Uh, it was aimed at primary school children, so with a range of educational programs around sustainability. So it was a really cool little startup. Um, it, we also actually did a waste pilot program during it to see if commercial compostable packaging would break down without contamination. So the results are pretty positive. It was a good little project, that one.
0: Uh, so our big multicultural festivals that often have 30, 40, 50,000 people at them, Um, if they are getting funding from City of Melbourne, uh, they often have to comply with a few sustainability um, measures, so that often includes measuring waste, Uh, so they'll have volunteers who look at how much waste goes into the bin, whether that's general waste, recycling or organics, Uh, and we're looking at the best ways that we can help them with that. Uh, So, obviously, we want to make it easier for everyone to know what um, they're putting in the bin. And I think we've found over our journey of looking at all of this that a lot of people just don't know. It's not that they don't want to help, but they don't know that they produce so much waste. So, some of our bigger festivals that have, say, 50,000 people, even though the festival only goes for one day, they might get rid of two compactors full of general waste. And a lot of that could have been sorted into the organic bin because it's a food scrap, or maybe it could have been recycled. Uh, so I think the the general general idea of all of this is really educating everyone that comes to Fed Square. So whether that be a member of the general public who's you know putting their water bottle in the general waste bin because they don't understand that it can be recycled, or if it's an event client that actually has control over what their uh, exhibitors bring on site, it's really sort of pinpointing. Who we can educate in in that way, and, and um, you know, bring some changes about.
1: The labyrinth is this place beneath Fed Square. What is it, and how does it work?
2: The labyrinth itself is passive cooling. And heating system for the atrium space. It was a part of the original uh, design through Dom Bates. It resides or or was located underneath the actual plaza or or upper plaza, so at the back end of the main square. It itself is um, about six metres in height. It's made up of concrete uh, corrugated concrete walls we've got about 1.2 kilometers in length there's the labyrinth and what it does is it allows us to cool the atrium about 12 degrees cooler than what it is uh, than the ambient temperature outside without actually having to use any uh, mechanical air conditioning systems so we use we obviously use uh, fans Um, but that's the only mechanical air conditioning that we use to um, distribute the air. So we take air at night off from the riverside. We pass it through this labyrinth of uh, concrete corrugated walls and there's a heat exchange. So what happens is the walls get cooler and the air starts to warm up. During the day, uh, we do exactly the same process. We pull the hot ambient air, so hot Melbourne summer day, 30 degrees. We'll pull that air through the labyrinth and again there's another heat exchange so this time the air is absorbing the coolness off the concrete or vice versa the, the concrete is absorbing the heat off the air and so the air starts to get cooler and cooler and cooler and so by the time it reaches the labyrinth fire uh, these timber grates in the floor it's about 12 degrees cooler than what it, than the ambient air and this is saving us probably around about 90% of our energy if we were to use dam cooling that you would have in a normal building. So the atrium is quite a unique space. It is one at one end, there is one big open area. There would be a lot of uh, expense put into air conditioning that area that wouldn't really provide much benefit. In that we also have some vents at the top of the atrium that allows the ha- the heat to actually dissipate from that area. All those come into play when, when we're using or utilizing uh, the labyrinth during the, um, the warmer months.
1: Is there anything else that's similar to that built into the very architecture of Fed Square for sustainability's sake?
2: Built in from a design perspective, um, yes. So there were a number of uh, grates that are located on the main plaza in on the ground itself. And so when it rains, uh, the water that runs onto the ground, parts of that will run into these grates. And that water is then captured into a number of water tanks. Those tanks hold up to 60,000 litres worth of water. And that water is used to um, irrigate the landscaping on the river terrace. So side of Fed Square. That was probably one of the original works done as a part of the build. There are parts of Fed Square that have uh, a type of material, that styrofoam type material that you have like on an esky. There are, there are buildings like NGV um, and the labyrinth that are surrounded or covered in this styrofoam material to also help with those um, heating and cooling properties.
1: Okay so that was an ongoing process. Did that involve the original architects and the designers and subsequent people who came through and added pieces?
2: Um it's always we've always had a good relationship with the architects and so Don Bates well has been kept informed and in some t- some cases we've sought his approval or advice in, in regards to some works that we've we've gone ahead and done. So some of those works have included solar panels on the roof, additional water tanks within our Uh, what we call our trenches, which are areas uh, down below, underneath Fed Square on on the railway level as such. Um, And they've they've contributed to our sustainability at Fed Square.
1: Event-wise, a great many of events at Fed Square are third-party events that come in and hire the use of the square. What does FedSquare do to help sustainability from that aspect, from events that we don't actually run ourselves?
0: Yeah, so we're super excited uh, that we're just in the final stages of releasing our new Sustainable Events Guide. Uh, so this is a document which outlines some tips and tricks uh, for our clients and our contractors with the aim of helping them to plan their event to be less impactful on the environment. We look at a whole bunch of topics in here. We look at catering, we look at weight, and we have a bit of a list of what not to bring on site as well. And there's a bunch of other topics in there. So we're really trying to work with our clients and, and sort of just get those thoughts rolling about what they can do. So I'm sure you've all been to an event where there's they give you a goodie bag full of marketing materials um, that you never use again. So that lanyard might go straight in the bin or straight to the op shop. So it's just really going over those finer details and seeing what they may be able to change. I think a lot of these things are just habit. Anything we might be able to change there. We go over our little list of things that we don't want people to bring on site. We're not allowing anyone to bring balloons. So whether that's helium or just air balloons. Uh, So next time you're in the square, if you have a look up, we have a lot of catenary wires hanging up our lighting system in the square. So if balloons get stuck in that, it is very hard to get them out again. And then we also don't allow confetti and glitter. Because as you'll know, we're right next to the Yarrow River, and anything that we use on site, if it's not cleaned up straight away, it will make its way down into our waterway. It sort of goes over a whole lot of things that you can just rethink how you do things.
1: How do you manage waste and recycling in Fed Square, both from ordinary day to day operations and with events?
0: We
3: currently have six waste streams at Fed Square. So you're looking at general waste, co or recycling, cardboard paper organics obviously that's our favorite oil water and now we've actually added glass so that's really good So often we'll have our waste providers do regular audits. So it's a little bit harder at Fed Square because we're not a controlled environment. We are open to the public and we do have tenants. It's hard to control those all the time. A lot of the public coming through this square are tourists, so they're not used to our same waste systems as well. Do try to streamline where possible, especially in events So we will offer all of those streams and we do up uh, different languages as well we have multicultural festivals just to make it that little bit easier on bins and understanding. Um, We're also looking at weighing waste at festivals as well so that's part of that sustainable events guide so this way our regular festivals can track how much waste on year they are reducing. Obviously we're aiming towards organic waste as much as humanly possible there.
1: In a similar vein, how do you manage the water usage of FedSquare, again, both from a day-to-day perspective and from an events perspective?
2: There are a number of initiatives over uh, the course of time. The Fed Square has been around since 2002. Either been here, as I mentioned earlier before, the irrigation tanks um, that are located underneath the square. I think it was around about during the drought back around 2008 that Fed Square installed over 100,000 litres worth of new tanks, additional tanks, that captured water from the roof of the Alfred Deacon building. And that water is now u- used for, for our main public toilets and the number of toilets within our tenancies. We've tracked it back and we've saved over 50% of our water usage from the years beforehand. It's really been a, a huge uh, financial sa- savings for us, but gone a long way to um, helping uh, the environment with regards to uh, recapturing that water. We also utilise what we call the rain garden, which is located in the car park at the rear. I call it the rear of Fed Square, but the east of Fed Square. This captures the water from uh, the top of the car park a rooftop, uh, which is generally uh, has some oil and dirt from the cars that are there. And the water uh, from there runs off and goes into this artificial rain garden that has been made with sand and silt and rocks and plant life. And the water is then captured at the end of this. So, so the water will run through this uh, artificial process, I suppose, replicating what happens in outside in, in the land. And the water runs through this, this artificial garden and then goes into the Yarra. So it's no benefit to us but it is a big benefit to to the environment. It's been filtered let's say um, before it actually goes into the era. The other sort of water initiative that we've recently done is we looked at our cooling towers. Our cooling towers are probably our biggest water usage via evaporation so the cooling towers we utilise for the air conditioning for all of our tenancies within Fed Square. The cooling towers now use recyclable water so the water that um, we capture via the roofs of Fed Square we we uh, treat that water and then it goes into our cooling towers. So that has uh, really drastically reduced the water usage that we use at, at Fed Square.
1: Can anyone go and visit that?
2: They certainly can. They, If they go over to the car park, there is a sort of a triangular hole in the middle of the car park itself. If they go up to the top, they can sort of look down and see the ferns and the rocks that make up that garden.
0: Well... Working on a bit of an ongoing project, hopefully we'll be able to uh, implement it in the next um, couple of years, but we'd like to replace our water fountains with something that has a water refill uh, capacity. So at the moment, Australia emits over 60,000 tonnes of greenhouse gases per year from packing and transporting bottled water. So we're really trying, from both an events point of view and a general public point of view, Uh, to make sure there's some other options out there. So for those uh, who are good enough to bring their own water bottle into the square, we'd like to make it really easy for them to be able to refill that and not feel the need uh, to go out and buy a new water bottle which will just go straight into the landfill.
1: Can you tell us about the use of biogas at Fed Square?
2: So we introduced a biogas plan, So back in 2009, we actually signed up an agreement with Siemens. One of the items that got introduced was this thing called a biogas plant. So what we did was we captured the organics from tenancies. We used to put it in a grinder and squash it down. And the gas that was a byproduct of, of that process was used to run a boiler. And that boiler was then used to heat hot water that was used for our air conditioning systems although it worked, we had some major, major problems. So this is one where a lesson learnt. Um, The biggest problem we had with this system was that it smelt and that smell pretty much uh, went through uh, numerous tenancies and areas of Fed Square. Unfortunately, we had to shut that plant down and remove it but it was an initiative that, uh, like we said, with all innovations, some innovations work and uh, some don't. That was one that um, that just didn't suit the location that it was um, that it was put in.
1: Are there any other innovations that FedSquare has undertaken?
2: The other one we've actually introduced doesn't really get much talk. Is Fed Square's offices are actually managed, so Fed Square offices only have one bin on each floor, so waste is is um, reduced. As well as that, is we have a number of um, uh, paper bins underneath everyone's desk, so that uh, recycling is is encouraged as much as possible. From an air conditioning perspective, we've also adjusted the air conditioning set points throughout both our offices and all of the tenancies. Instead of having temperatures run Um, ideally to a standard 22 degrees. We have uh, what we call a band of control where air conditioning runs between 21 and 24. So that allows us a bit more ability to use less electricity and and gas to run our plan for the the comfort of, of, of staff. And I must say staff, both tenancies and staff within Fed Square are very accommodating in that regard.
1: That was Lauren, Kim, and Colin from the Sustainability Action Group at FedSquare. FedSquare is strongly committed to environmental responsibility. And if you'd like to know more, check out the information on fedsquare.com. While you're there, sign up for our weekly newsletter to stay in the loop about new episodes of Anything But Square. And we'll see you next week.